I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Today we celebrate the feast of Corpus Christi, the feast of the real presence of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, the sacrament of his love. The Holy Eucharist is the true body and blood of Christ together with his soul and divinity under the appearances of bread and wine. <clears throat> Protestants of different shades have denied this dogma because they refuse to submit themselves to the authority of the church whose duty it is to give the real, the true meaning of sacred scripture. And the church has thought that when our Lord said, this is my body and this is my blood, it should be taken in the literal sense. But despite that, our Lord and the church has also defined it as a dogma of our faith, but our Lord in his goodness and mercy has not stopped from time, time and again. He has shown miracles to prove and to confirm this dogma of our faith. In 1875 in Spain, the priest of Moncada had celebrated Mass for a long time with great favor, favor and um, devotion, but suddenly he fell into doubts. He started asking himself if he was a validly ordained priest. So he, to dissipate us, to end this, this doubt of his, he went to Valencia. That was where the seat of the diocese to see the bishop. But on his way there, it was one Christmas evening or midnight, Christmas midnight mass. He, the church bells were ringing, were pealing, and they were, it was a starry night, and they were inviting, the bells were inviting the faithful all around to come for mass. And he was assigned that day to say mass. During mass, he got to the point of consecration, and he felt fear going all around him after he had uttered the words of consecration and genuflected. A young child in the pew shouted out, Ah, mama, see, see the baby on the altar. Don't you see him? And immediately the child shouted. A lad nearby stood up on his chair and started clapping. And his mother tried to hush the child. Stop, stop, stop talking. But the child kept on speaking. And the mass ended that day. And the mother and the child, they remained for the second mass at dawn. And during the time of consecration, the child did the same thing again. And his mother tried to stop him. He said, can't you see how beautiful the child is? He looks just exactly like the, the child on the crib. And then the third mass, the priest said all three masses of Christmas that day. At the end of the third mass, the, mo the happy mother related the story to the faithful. And the news got to the ears of the priest. And he was happy about it. He was almost seeing like a confirmation that probably he was validly ordained. And so, but... He, he thought to himself, maybe this might be a deceit of the devil to try to prevent me from seeing the bishop. So he called the child and cross-examined the child, and he found from the child's story and accuracy that this was true. But to make assurance doubly sure, he told the child and his mother to come the next day for Mass. He wanted to see if it was really true or not. So the next day during Mass, just before Mass, he had three particles of the host, and he decided that he would put two of the particles on the corporal and one outside, and he would have the intention of just consecrating the two particles on the corporal. 
and he did that. Afterwards, he called the child and asked him, do you see, is our Lord here? He said, yes, he is in this too. Can't you see his outstretched arms? And then he asked him, is he in this other one? He said, no, he's not, he's not there. So that was what completely dissipated the doubt the priest had of the real presence of our Lord and of the validity of his ordination. Our Lord came down from heaven to be with us in the Holy Eucharist. Why? Not because he wants to be in the tabernacle or because he wants to bless us during benediction as he would do today, but rather he wants to be in our hearts. He said, speaking by the mouth of the prophets, my delight were to be with the children of men. In what kind of heart does he wish or desire to dwell in a holy, a pure, and a spotless heart. He that eateth my body, he said, and drinketh my blood, abideth in me, and I in him. When we eat food, natural food, of course, the food changes to our substance, it changes itself to our substance. Our body assimilates the food to become like we are. But when we receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, he transforms us into himself. St. Thomas Aquinas, commenting on the Holy Eucharist, said, The only begotten Son of God, being pleased to make us partakers of the divine nature, took our nature upon him, being himself made man, that he might make men partakers of his divine nature. If then the chief effect of the Holy Eucharist is to, is to transform us into Christ, who is the source of all holiness, of all goodness, and of all perfection, how then is it that we are not yet as we ought to be, that is, to be Christ-like? The saints say that one communion is sufficient if well received to make us holy and perfect. St. Francis de Sales gives the reason why this is so. He says because we do not, because of want of due preparation, we fail to receive the graces which our Lord has desired or desires to give us in Holy Communion. Then what must we do? What kind of preparation must we have? He says that we must know how we ought to prepare for the reception of the sacraments of the Holy Eucharist. The three preparations are purity of intention, attention, and humility. As for purity of intention, the saint, the saint says, that is absolutely necessary not only in the reception of the sacraments, but also in all that we do. Now our intention is pure when we receive the sacraments or do any other thing in order to unite ourselves to God and render ourselves more pleasing to Him without any admixture of private interest. If when you desire to communicate and are not allowed to do so, or when after Holy Communion you feel no consolation, you nevertheless can be at peace without yielding to a feeling of disquietude 
which without your consent may assault you. That is when you have made a good holy communion, when you're properly disposed, he says. But if on the contrary you yield to disquietude because you're not allowed to communicate or because you had no consolation, is it not evident that your intention was not pure? Is it not certain that you only sought to unite yourself to God for the sake of consolations? That union with him which you pretended to desire would certainly have been effected by practicing the holy virtue of obedience. And in the same way, if we desire perfection with a restless, impatient kind of desire, is it not quite plain that it is only a form of self-love which cannot endure the idea of any imperfection being seen in us? If it were possible that we, when imperfect, could be as pleasing to God and as closely united to Him as when perfect, we ought to desire to be without perfection so as to nourish in ourselves holy humility. The second preparation is attention. Certainly, we ought to approach the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist with great attention because of what the sacrament demands of us. For example, we should go to Holy Communion with a heart ardently loving. I do not mean when I speak of this great attention that we must have no distractions, for this is not in our power, but that we should specially take care not to dwell upon them voluntarily. The third preparation is humility, <clears throat> which is a virtue most necessary to enable us to receive abundantly the graces which flow from receiving Christ's body and blood. And this is because waters, generally speaking, flow much more swiftly and with greater force when the channels are situated in sloping and low-lying places. But besides these three preparations, I wish briefly to tell you that the chief of all is total abandonment of ourselves to the mercy of God, the submission of our will and all our affections without reserve to his dominion. I say without reserve because such miserable creatures are we that we are always reserving something for ourselves. Our Lord, desiring to give himself wholly to us, wishes that we, on our part, should give ourselves entirely to him, in order that the union of our soul with his divine majesty may be more perfect and that we may be able to say truly with the great apostle of the Gentiles, I live now, not I, but Christ liveth in me. The second part of this preparation consists in emptying our hearts that our Lord may fill it wholly with himself. 
Certainly, the reason why we do not receive the grace of sanctification is that we do not allow our Lord to reign in us as his goodness desires. He comes unto us, this beloved of our souls, and finds our hearts all full of desires, affections, and petty wishes. This is not what he seeks, for he hopes to find them empty, that he may make himself their master and ruler. To show how much he desires this, he tells his sacred bride that she is to put him as a seal upon her heart, so that nothing may enter there except by his permission and according to his good pleasure. Now I know well that the center of your hearts is empty. You would otherwise be guilty of too great faithlessness. What I mean is that you have detested and cast out not only mortal sin, but also all sorts of evil affections. But alas, all the corners and innermost recesses of your hearts are filled with a thousand things unworthy of the presence of this sovereign king. These are the things which bind his hands and prevent him bestowing on us the gifts and graces with which his goodness would have enriched us if he had found us prepared for them. Let us then on our part do all that is in our power to prepare ourselves well to receive this supersubstantial bread, abandoning ourselves wholly to divine providence, not only for what concerns our temporal, but far more for our spiritual welfare. All our affections, desires, and inclinations must be entirely subjected to him since we know well that our Lord on his part will fulfill his promise to transform us into himself, raising our lowness even to a union with his infinite greatness. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.